we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. The podcast of the mind. <laughs> yep. The second piece of the mind. The second piece of the peace of mind. The piece of the peace of the mind. How's episodes. Nesbitt? Good. Excellent. Yeah. Doing, yeah I'm ready to uh, get into some more peace of mind episodes. Yeah. Well, last time we got all the way to track through one. track one. <laughs> um, you right. know. We got bogged down in the details of how the album yeah. got recorded, but that's all right. Got to set it up. Yep. Got to set it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. We don't have many albums left. We have this and we have like. Yeah. Virtual Eleven and Brave New World. Yeah, that's what you call podcast playing. We do Somewhere in Time in Two, and we do Peace of Mind in nine episodes. That's that's obviously. <laughs> so I don't want to planned. rush through it. I'm going to savor these episodes. That's obviously. Once planned. we're out of albums, then we're talking about who knows what. <laughs> so today we're going to get into um, the, I guess, the whole drumming situation right. slash change yep. slash. Yeah, well, that's something we were going to get into last time when we were talking about where Eagles Dare. We start talking about Nico's drumming. And yeah, he that was, was the new drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of get into how he came to be in the band and how yeah. Burr got out of the band. Because a bit of controversy in there. Controversy? Or do you like to say controversy? I know. <laughs> we had a little bus stop down in Guernsey. <laughs> they weren't even in Guernsey. Um, okay. What beer do we got? So this is another beer that my sister and brother-in-law sent me from New Brunswick. Wow. Yeah. Which is another Blood. province. Another province. In Canada. And, and from then, the one that we're in, in case people don't know where we are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, the Blood Orange Hefwesson, an unfiltered Hefeweizen. Hef, Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. I should have done this during uh, where Eagles Dare because in German. Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. There you go. Which means wheat. <laughs> what kind of websites have you been researching <laughs> on? Uh, unfiltered and unpasteurized craft beer, five point one percent alcohol. Yeah. So this is looks good. A brewery called Hammond River Brewing, which I didn't know existed. I guess it's a it's must be pretty new. Hammond River yeah. is like. It's in New Brunswick. It's like north of St. John, New Brunswick. Cool. A bit north. Um, I don't know anything about this brewery. But uh, it says on the back, uh, like most Maritimers, I enjoy the winter, but I love spring and summer. This is my ode to summer. Perfect for backyard bonfires. This beer is brewed with real blood oranges, not extracts. Cheers to patio season and backyard barbecues, even though we're in the middle well, of winter right oh now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I should have probably drank yeah. this one first out of the batch that she sent me. But... Uh, Let's open it. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. This is going to be good. I got a uh, little hot take to tell you. Okay. Does it have to do with I don't, blood oranges? I don't really like German beers. I don't like, uh, I find Hefeweizen's to be very, these wheat beers to be very sweet. And almost sickeningly sweet sometimes, but uh, I don't know what this one will be like. I wonder. It smells pretty good. Actually, yeah. it smells almost like a sour. Oh. Oh, that's really good. Oh, wow. It's kind of a bit sweet. That is like a sour. But it almost has a sourness to it. It's oh, like that's... a sour orange juice or something. Beer. That's amazing. Yeah. The orange flavor is excellent. It's weird. Like a, a while back, we had another blood orange something, I remember. Oh my god! Sediment in this all you know what? Anymore. For a second there, for a second, it was summer. <laughs> Even though this is, uh, we're right into the winter now. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, that's great. That's good. not gonna last. There's another one of those beers with the. Oh no! You can probably pick up on the microphone that you can hear the. Oh. The foam. 
This is one of away. these. This is one of those beers where you're going to be like, and then when Clyburn's lease got up, and I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like, this beer is too small, and I'll be, I'll be done it. This is good. I really like this because, like I said, wheat beers I find very sweet sometimes. Yeah, and almost sickening. Mm. You know what I mean? This one's yeah. This one's really balanced. I guess. Yeah, it's an way. excellent. That's great. Balance flavor. Tasty. Thumbs up to hammered, mm. hammered, <laughs> Hammond River, Hammond Brewing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's well, well done. Thanks to my sister and brother-in-law. Nice. Sing it over. So let's just get into it. Mm. We are talking about. Let's do it. The last episode, we kind of brought up how this was a new lineup for Iron Maiden. Yeah. We had the addition of a Killers. We had the addition of Adrian. Yeah. And Bruce came in for Number of the Beast, mm. and now you have the new drummer. Nico yes. McBrain. Um, yeah, you're We at- talked about Bruce coming in the band a lot. We talked about Adrian coming in the band a lot. Yeah. We've never really talked about Nico coming into the band and how Clive left. And there's a lot of different takes on it and a bunch of different stories. Yeah. Um, so I'll just get into how Nico came in first. And then we'll kind of get into like the truth behind all this or what oh. I think is the truth. So Michael Henry McBrain is his name, and he has the nickname Nico. Um, you hear online a lot that he was nicknamed Nicky by his parents after a teddy bear, which is not actually true. I heard a interview with Nico, and he said, I always hated the name Michael, so my parents called me Nicky when I was a kid in reference to my favorite book at the time called Nicholas the Bear. Ah. So, oh, if I, hadn't, if I had a thought, I should have uh, looked on Amazon.com for it. <laughs> oh, my God. I used... Yeah. First edition print of Nicholas the Bear yeah. <laughs> for my Maiden collection. Yeah. Um, but anyway, cut two years later, he's in a band, and one of his drunken buddies starts calling him Nico instead of Nicky because he had the nickname Nicky. Nice. Someone started calling him Nico. Everyone found it hilarious, and it just stuck. And uh, that's kind of how we got the name Nico. The that's, nickname yeah. Nico. That makes sense. The Nico name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was in a band called Trust. Actually, if you look at Nico's, like, resume he's played in t- with tons of people yeah but he was in a band called trust and they supported maiden for shows in 81 and 82 um they opened for maiden and toured with them um this is a clip from a trust song so this is nico's drumming when he was in the band trust So in case I didn't mention, they're uh, a French band. What? <laughs> Trust. What the but hell? But Nico played with them. They were like a pretty big French band. Wow. That song was called Marche ou Creve, which means work or die. Oh, my God. So that's who Nico was playing with. And But Nico, Nico's English, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, how did that come about? I don't know how we yeah. started with Trust. Mm. But he, they trust toured with Maiden and opened yeah. for Maiden and played a lot of shows with them in 81 and 82. So Nico was friendly with the guys in Maiden. Yeah. Like way back, going way back to like pre-Killers. And they toured with him and they knew what his drumming was like. So they were familiar with his drumming and he was like, they were all kind of friendly with each yeah. other. Um, So Clive's version of how he got out of the band and how Nico came in. 
He says that his dad died suddenly from a heart attack, and he flew home for the funeral. Nico replaced him for two weeks on the tour in 82, and when he came back, he was fired, and Nico was in. Mm. Which doesn't really stand up if you, like, analyze all the facts. Yeah, we, we touched on this in a previous episode. Uh, I don't It wasn't the early years. I can't remember which episode exactly. We went into this a little bit. We might have talked about there this was, a bit. There was some timeline issue or something. So so what what do we have? Where so, okay, the dates don't match up. Mm. Um, it's a bit morbid, but, like, I was reading on a forum, forum and people, like, the obituary for his father, the date of his death, and the tour dates don't match up. <laughs> <laughs> and Clive played a bunch more dates after his father's death, which kind of contradicts his story. Okay. Um, and there's no record of Nico playing with Maiden on that tour, except I think there was a Belgian TV appearance, but that was a one-off. And I think they actually played to a pre-recorded track. Mm. You know, one of those TV appearances where they kind of like mime along to the music? Yeah. I think Nico filled in for him once for one of those. Adrian and Steve Harris mentioned in interviews that his partying was affecting his playing. And Steve Harris mentioned, this is a famous interview that Steve Harris gave where people always bring it up and they say Clive Burr spent most of one gig throwing up into a bucket on the side of his kit. And Steve Newhouse made a reference to Clive and hard drugs too in his book, which I think they all, a lot of them kind of dabbled in a little bit. Um, Bruce Dickinson, he makes references to tensions between Steve Harris and Clive Burr. In Bruce Dickinson's book, uh, there's a quote in there. He says, it wasn't about partying or girls. Because everyone was guilty of that at some time or another. Artistic differences would be to overstate his creative input. The breakdown of the relationship between a drummer and a bass player is pretty fundamental, especially if the bass player also happens to be the principal songwriter and band leader. Yeah. So I think there was just a lot of, like, there's a lot of tension between them. And, you know, the bass player and the drummer, if they're not in sync, mm. like, your whole rhythm section's off. Um, I've actually got a clip of Bruce talking about this. Well, they had a lot of personal problems back home, sort of personal and, and emotional things. It really got to affecting his playing so much. And, um, you yeah, know, there was a lot of disagreements and a lot of stuff went down, you know, the later part of the tour uh, in Japan and Australia. And it was, a, I mean, it was a fairly amicable sort of split. That was from an interview where he's talking about Clive. Um, another quote I have from Bruce Dickinson's book he says, the personalities were increasingly on a collision course. Steve was the shy guy offstage, but aggressive and precise on stage. Clive was Mr. Outgoing offstage, but often Mr. Approximate when it came to precision on stage. Throw the whole melange into a pot, and it got messier and messier throughout America. So I think this is my take from what I basically could, you know, research or whatever. The band's really starting to take off. Everything's really high stakes for Maiden at this point, right? Like, they have their new lead singer. This is after Number of the yeah. Beast. Really high stakes. They're really taking off. They're really starting to break in the States. I think Burr maybe has a bit, a little bit of problems with partying. Either way, his playing was starting to suffer. And, like, after what happened with Paul Diano, I think Steve, Steve Harris is, like, not taking any chances. And, like, the first sign of his playing being affected, I think he was like, I got to get rid of this guy. Wow. You know, I don't think he wanted to go through the Paul Diano thing. And Steve yeah. was very much like, nothing's going to stop Maiden. And I think the first sign of, like, weakness, and he was like... Yeah. Especially, gave a boot. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the rhythm section, they yeah. have to be in zone, too. And so he's just basically watching them all the time. It's not like some 
coked up guitarist who's just going beating at solos that you yeah. can tolerate. And Maiden it's at this just, point, yeah. they're not in a position to take time off to get like a member back on track and straightened out. Yeah. It's like the Maiden machine is like rolling ahead. And if someone's starting to like mess up a bit, mm. I don't think they're like, hold on, let's put everything on pause and kind of get him straightened out. You I think they're like, yeah. we got to cut him and get someone in here quick. Too much can't momentum. Stop. This, too much momentum. That's the perfect yeah. way to put it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think kind of the way they brought Bruce in, you know how behind Diano's back, they kind of, we went into that in the Number of the Beast episode, the whole timeline of like Bruce auditioning before Paul was officially out of the band. Yeah. Um, I think they had Nico in place and Clive was fired with Nico immediately ready to jump in. Mm. Um, so Nico actually said this not long ago, his rock and roll ribs restaurant in Florida, they had a party there and Nico got up and he was making a speech or not making a speech, but just like kind of talking to the crowd. And he actually said this. Iron Maiden, my first, my first beat I played with Iron Maiden was January the 9th, 1983, officially. I joined the band in June of 1982, which was unofficial. But that's another story. You'll have to pay $100 to hear. Now. So he's saying, wait, as far back as June, he was actually playing with Iron Maiden. Yeah, I can see but that. But it's unofficial. So I think he was like probably rehearsing with them or whatever. Yeah, and you can understand that. You gotta, yeah. like, he has to be ready to scale up and move on. Yeah. Like, he can't be waiting until the last minute and then go, oh, we're gonna put an ad in the paper for a drummer. But the thing that kind of, like, cemented my take on what happened, actually, is I found a drumming magazine called Rhythm Magazine, mm. and I saw online someone had an article from there posted, and it's an interview with Nico McBrain, and he says, this is a lot bit of a long take, but this pretty much explains what happened. Go for it. He says, I was sitting at home and I got this phone call from Rod Smallwood. Clive wasn't doing so well and they asked if I'd consider joining the band. I remember that I was on phone with Rod for close to an hour, asking him what was going on with Clive. He was explaining things to me and I was defending Clive. Finally, Rod turned around and said, do you fucking want this gig or not? Of course I did, but I didn't want it under shady conditions. I was then put on a retainer because they were going to have a word with Clive. Clive shaped up, got himself back into the band, and I was told I wasn't required, and they paid me a month's severance. A couple of weeks later, I got another call because Clive had taken a nosedive again and was put back on retainer. This happened all the way until June of 1982, when they finished the Number of the Beast tour. That same situation happened three times. It was the third time when things didn't work out for Clive. Okay. So Nico basically says they had him on retainer. Yeah. In case something went wrong, and they just kept, you know, had him there, paying him as like a band member, mm. but he's not technically in the band, and kind of trying to get Clive to get back on track. And when he couldn't, they're like, "Okay, you're done." And then Nico was immediately ready to step in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that that obviously that points to drugs slash personal problems. There's some kind of personal yeah, problems, I think, something yeah. because the fact that they kept going back and forth tells you that they were expecting him to recover, yeah. not so much as we were at a sink on how we're going to do stuff. That's not creative. Yeah. I don't think it's artistic differences. No, it's, no. Yeah. it's just he's yeah. he's not performing up to the standard they want. Yeah, And like the way you, know. you said it, there's too much momentum behind the band to like slow it down for anyone or anything. Yeah. And I think, yeah, after the so much turnover in Maiden, in those yeah. five parts of the history of Iron Maiden, we went through how many people came through the band. Yeah. He's finally got something that's like working. Yeah. And he's got his new singer. Yeah. And he got rid of Paul Diano, who was like mid-tour, basically, they had to get rid of. Yeah. And then, you know, their drummer starts, whatever happened with him, whether it was personal problems or drugs or partying or whatever, hmm. 
you know, there's some there they, they see some cracks, and he's. I think he was just like, no, we can't. I think there's another side to it too that that I don't know Clive's personality that well. Like yeah. I haven't seen him on camera. Oh, he I mean, seems like a super know. nice guy. He seems Every like interview nice I've ever seen with him, he seems great. Yeah, seems a bit quiet. Yeah, um, but. The thing is, is you know, we've never really talked about this with Maiden much, but the guys are pretty geeky in some ways. Yeah, right? I know what you, you mean. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, even Bruce, like, he's, he's, you know, a rock star. But, like, if you talk to him off camera, like, he's not the kind of guy who was, like, funny, popular in high school. Like, you you, you, you know, he was a popular guy. Yeah. But, I mean, he's he's not, like, hilarious. Well, he's into, like, fencing and yeah. planes and stuff. And then you've yeah. got, like, Adrian, who's into fishing. Yeah, totally. Dave, who's just but, I mean, happy. Dave, Dave and Steve... <laughs> Honestly, if they never got into guitars, could have just been like running the most epic D and D game of all time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, based on and, their lyrics for sure. No, yeah. seriously. And 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 Adrian's there. I'm not knocking it. Look, yeah. I'm a, I'm a geek myself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But Nico's pretty cool guy. He is. and he's a big gregarious guy. Yeah. And he add, and, really added yeah. something to the band. Too. And I could see them being like, you know, him being bouncing around. Hey guys, how you doing? And them thinking like that's really a cool thing. It builds us up. It's it cool. Gets, it's it, a good it's, dynamic. He's a bit he of a glue. Yeah. Like you think about it on this on the stage. He's kind of hidden back there. But when it comes to like any DVD, any extra, any of that, it's all Nico's all over the place yeah. because he's just he's larger than life character. Yeah, exactly. So I guarantee yeah. you that played into it. Yeah, probably. Because we haven't done the drumming episode yet. We yeah. don't have an opinion on it yet. I certainly don't. <laughs> yeah. But there are people that argue technically uh, Nico might not be as good as Burr. There are people that I argue don't know that. If technically. I don't know. Maybe people are not the right way to yeah. maybe say it, but some people say stylistically or, or whatever. Yeah, I really love Clive Burr's drumming, and I'll, he gives something. Yeah. Those first two albums with him, or those first three albums with him. That's right. The drumming on there has a totally different feel from mm-hmm. the Nico albums, and it's great. Yeah, and those albums I don't think would be what they are. Oh, absolutely. If Nico was on them. I'm not. I'm not making so, that like, argument. I know it's like. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know enough. We haven't yeah. broken it down. Let me. Let me rephrase it. I would say the 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 Clive versus Nico debate, which we haven't delved yeah. into yet. So we, we this is an uninformed opinion, but just yeah. from what we've gathered from yeah. listeners and anticipation. That's true, yeah. We have gotten a lot of emails and it, comments from people. It's, it's a divisive topic. Yeah, it is. But no one's going to argue that uh, Nico's not a cooler guy to be around or a more gregarious personality. I don't know. Nico's, or uh, Clive seemed pretty cool, too. I don't know. I think, I think there's that dimension. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. He's like, a, like you yeah. said, larger than life is a perfect way to put it. Yeah, and when you're like going... a big cartoon character. Like, the, the thing is, is when you're uh, becoming a global band, you need a couple of global personalities. Like, yeah. you need people that can scale to that. Yeah. That can stand up and go into a press conference and own the room. Yeah. And, like, you can't all just go in face down. Like, you need... And you don't need five in a band. That's a problem. Yeah. You need one or two, and he plays his role. Like, yeah. you know, he, he's not going around telling people he wrote songs, which is what, you know, Paul Diano would be doing. Yeah. He's, he, he's going to be, yeah. he, he shows up and he has fun with everybody. Yeah. You know, he opens up a drum store. He has his own custom car. He's doing stuff in the periphery. Yeah. You There's know, rock and roll ribs on the go. Yeah. Like, he's, <laughs> he knows exactly what his role is, but he's also one of the, I guarantee you, most of the people in the, in the, Maiden Foundation or whatever you want to call them, the corporation around them, uh, guarantee they'll love them. Oh, yeah. Well, he seems like the nicest mm. guy ever. One thing I think is weird is everyone is always talking about this, like Clive versus Nico. Yeah. And I'm always like, do we really have to compare them? They're both awesome. Can we not just totally. love both of them? <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean. Stouts or porters. Stouts yeah. versus porters. And like, well, they're both delicious. Yeah. Do I have to like choose? But them? I mean, we, we literally. <laughs> I know. We're, we're over 100 episodes in and all we do is compare stuff. And know, we can't I compare know. this. I'm I like, know. Come on. You know. What, um, so what, what, anyway. Our next episode, we're going to be like, why does anyone drink beer? <laughs> why do people even bother? Mm. Well, we'll get into 
Track number two. Track number on the two. Album. Revelations. Yes. A little known track, kind of hidden away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very few people know of this track. So this one on our Best of Iron Maiden poll that we did was yes. number six. So it was yeah. very highly ranked by Talking Maiden podcast listeners. Mm. Um, written by Bruce, six and a half, six minutes, 50, almost seven minutes. That's right. Revelations track number two. Written by Bruce. Um, this, I guess because it's written by him, that's why he probably wrote this on a guitar. And that's why live, this is the only one Bruce ever plays guitar Bruce live. Bruce wrote this? Yeah, Dickinson. Really? Yeah. If you look at the credits in the, uh, yeah, it's a Dickinson track. Wow. But yeah, it's written by Bruce. Live, he used to always play guitar on stage, which is a really weird thing to see is Bruce up there with a guitar strapped on. Yeah. And he barely plays it. It's kind of like a prop. He does, in the breakdown, he plays it a bit. He gives the song like a bit of texture with this extra guitar that he plays. Yeah. And then he like ditches it halfway through the song. But he basically uses it to like, he holds it up and like swings it to get the crowd to scream. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of almost like a prop. He's yeah. not really playing that much. But it's really weird to see him playing this uh, guitar. And since the three guitar lineup started, I don't think he's played guitar in this live. Why would you? Yeah, I, I could just see the Dave Murray looking guitar. over at him, right? Yeah, he's like looking four, over really? and just being like. Um, a four guitar lineup, though. That would, yeah. Yeah, that would be if you played on this still. A quadruple axe attack. <laughs> so I guess people, if people ever want to know when the three guitar maiden lineup started, mm. you could go back to, remember there was a three guitar lineup very, very briefly back in the like before the first album came out yeah but this would be another three guitar lineup technically the adrian and dave and bruce dickinson playing guitar on this live if you watch a live after death there's technically there's a three guitar lineup on stage for half a song the first appearance (laughs) yeah yeah that's so interesting you know it it, it blows my mind like you know i've got it here on my list it's it is a bruce song but i never really thought of it it doesn't feel like a bruce song to me yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a Bruce song, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, I, you know, I just don't think of it as a Bruce song. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't played guitar since. It's weird. So if you're ever in an Iron Maiden trivia contest and people mm. are like, when did the three guitar attack start? Yeah. You could be like, well, technically, Terry Rance, Dave Sullivan, and Dave Murray briefly in 1976. Yeah. And technically, Bruce, you know. <laughs> that's, that's one of those. That's one of the, uh, like, Wapu when he was taking the uh, American uh, tests. And he was, you know, he was, like, taking the citizenship. It's like, what causes the world? Well, there are many uh, factors. Both the, the guy goes, just say slavery. Slavery it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and when you go into those trivia things, that's the worst because you're like, wait now, do they, not, you know? Yeah, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> uh, this reminds me of when we went to see the Legacy of the Beast in yeah. Toronto. And we did the uh, Iron Maiden. The guy's like, do you want to yeah. enter some Iron Maiden trivia and win, yeah. like, we both won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Because, I was like, do I? And yeah. I let my daughter do it. And she got like eight or ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember I I did the same thing. He'd asked some question. I can't remember what it was. It was something like, which album like did this, that, and the other? And I was like, do you count this one and that one? Or is it is it this one? And he goes, just say number the Oh, piece. yeah. <laughs> you remember yeah. that? It was no, like, he was like, uh, a, a, what, what city are Iron Maiden from? Yeah. And I started yeah. getting into like, the details. It was like, it's just London. <laughs> just say London. Just say London. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You're, you're like, actually, I built a map. <laughs> That's you're true. Like, technically hackney. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. Same, same, same. 
But anyway, yeah, Bruce plays this one live in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, plays guitar. Live in Dortmund in 1983, he's playing like this gold top Les Paul, which is yeah. very strange to see Bruce playing a Les Paul. And in the Live After Death DVD, he's playing, I looked it up and tried to figure out what it is. I think it's a Dean Cadillac, but it's a really weird looking guitar. Um, that's what I, I just kind of eyeballed it and tried to look it up. Mm. In Rock and Rio 1985, too, this is the, you might have seen footage of Bruce when his like, head's all bleeding. So in yeah. 1985, they're playing Rock and Rio. During Revelations, he like swings the guitar to get the audience like engaged. Yeah. And he ends up with his head sliced open. So I got a Bruce quote, and he says, By the time we got to Revelations, I had put on my rather natty electric blue Ibanez guitar. Oh, I guess it was, that's what mm. he was playing at that show. Um, and then there was audio trouble, and he says, The anger built as I tried to communicate with the engineer at the side of the stage. Hot and bothered, I wrenched the guitar off over my head and split my forehead open on its wooden edge. I did a bit more singing and then went behind the amps to calm down a bit. A roadie gave me a towel to wipe the blood away from my eyes, and then another member of the crew showed up very excited. He looked carefully at the wound. Rod says, can you squeeze it and make it bleed some more, he said. It looks great on the telly. Next day, the picture was front page news. Sweaty, blood-stained me and 300,000 new Iron Maiden fans. Oh, cool. So uh, I'm sure it was a uh, Rod Use Smallwood it. saw it and was like, yes. Use this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lean into it. That's like a historic Maiden moment. Yeah. Bruce, like, bloodied on stage doing Revelations. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But you hear sometimes that he hit his head on Adrian's guitar. That's one thing I read. Yeah. But Bruce says it's he hit it on his own guitar, the, mm. edge, the wooden edge of his guitar. Awesome. So we'll get into the actual song that's yes. about Bruce, like, I don't know, writing it and playing guitar live or whatever. Yeah. But the song itself has a very cool structure. Um, I would compare it to Phantom of the Opera almost in the way it has a bunch of different tempos and sections, but flows together perfectly. Remember I said yeah. Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorite Maiden songs because it has all these super different parts and they all just flow together into yeah. this like perfect song and very it complex. doesn't feel disjointed yeah. at all it flows yeah. perfectly this is like that there's a yep. bunch of different parts and they all fit perfectly together there's a cool intro and then there's like three parts there's a what i call the hymn part mm. there's a verses part there's a really fast-paced instrumental part with all these solos and guitar work and then they go back to this like a refrain of the first that hymn part so it's a really weird song structure you know what i mean it's like early signs of like prog rock in Iron Maiden like in the later albums everyone always says oh Maiden they're so like they've gone all prog rock and progressive yeah. and whatever but I mean look back at Revelations this is 1983 yeah. and like it's there already yeah. so I don't know what people are complaining about <laughs> yeah and I, I find it, it is it is so complex but it's like what it's, it's pushing seven minutes right yeah and it doesn't feel like seven. oh my god like, it seems it's, like it's three so minutes. fast I would, if you told me this was three yeah. and a half minutes I'd be like I'd believe wow. you yeah it just fits so perfectly together. It's, it's just so quick. And it doesn't lag. Yeah. So the intro has a really cool intro riff and this awesome, awesome bass playing. It's one of the coolest and most unique starts to a Maiden song, I think. The way the bass and the drums, they play together. Like, Nico does this little fill, like, entirely on the cymbals. Yeah. And it just sounds awesome. The bass plays the first few notes, like, on the third and fifth frets, like, low notes, and then goes way up to, like, the twelfth, fourteenth frets and does these, like, little high up-on-the-neck bass notes. Yeah. It just sounds so cool. You're, you're getting that look. I think, I think <laughs> I there's know. a clip coming. Is there a clip It's coming? really well composed by all the instruments. <laughs> yeah. And it's really heavy sounding. It's not really heavy. That's not true. It's not heavy sounding. 
Mm. But it's heavy. It gives a heavy feel. Like it yeah. feels like an important, heavy riff. I don't know how to describe it. Mm. It's such interesting timing. It's such a unique thing yeah. to come up with. It's really cool. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, it's not heavy sounding. Like, it doesn't sound like, you know, super, like, heavy sonically. No. But it just feels heavy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it'd be from a scene from the movie where something, like, huge comes out of shadows or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it does. When you listen to it, you're right. It doesn't. But as soon as you play that intro, I just picture him like working the crowd and then the guitar and it feels kind of heavy. You yeah. know what I mean? In your you mind. Just bang it just pulls your head. you and into the, it. The intro yeah. is like a, it's like a build up to something huge coming. Yeah. And then it gets into the next part, which is very heavy. Yes. And you just want to like bang your head that juju. So the hymn, I call this the hymn part. It's like a slow plotting heavy part has a great vocal melody So this is like mm. one of Maiden's best songs, I think. That's just amazing. Yeah, it's so awesome. I just love to like bang my head to that and like sing along. Yeah. It's so great. So the first verse, if you look in the lyrics underneath, it says, uh, based on an English hymn by G.K. Chesterton. Yes. So they credit them and they're not like ripping off the lyrics. They're like quoting them and using them as lyrics. It's a, a, a hymn written in 1906 and it's word for word taken from this hymn. I read an interview in a magazine from 1983, and Bruce says, the first verses of Revelations are taken from an English hymn that we used to sing at school. He used to sing this hymn when he was in school. And it's the, O God of earth and altar, bow down and hear our cry. Our earthly rulers falter, our people drift and die. The walls of gold entomb us, the swords of scorn divide. Take not thy thunder from us, but take away our pride. So it's not really ripped off. Because someone else wrote the lyrics. Yeah. But he, using them this way is kind of cool. It's credited right in the liner notes. So it's not, I don't want people, you know, people shouldn't yeah. be like, oh, they ripped off this hymn. It's, it has yeah. quotes around it too in the in the lyrics. It's like Man, quoted. It's, it, it, I, I, I'm always blown away by the lyrics in this yeah. song. Yeah, like, it's pretty it's cool. Just, it's well, Bruce amazing. didn't write those parts. Those no, lines. he didn't write it. But that's that, like... You know, I'm not, not not trying to knock Bruce, yeah. but I mean, you know, what was this yeah. Bodie book? What was that one? What was his book about the boats? Lord Iffy Boat Race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lord Iffy Boat Race. This is a way up from this that. Is, this is a different <laughs> thing, yeah. So here's something funny. So I always knew the words were from the hymn. It says it mm. right in the liner yeah. notes. Um, you always hear that it was like inspired by the hymn or that the lyrics are from the hymn. 
But the melody is actually from the hymn too. So check this clip out. This is like the least metal thing I've ever played on the podcast. But this is a choir in a church singing that original hymn. So it's not just the lyrics. Is that Bruce it's the whole on, tune. Is that Bruce on the horn there? <laughs> no. At the end? <laughs> so um, it's basically he took this hymn and just yeah. put it over the maiden music. Yeah. But he's, the vocal melody is straight from the hymn too. Mm. So it's not just the lyrics. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So that whole melody is written by this guy in 1909. Wow. Um, here's what Bruce says about those lyrics. That first part. So that's the first part, which I call the hymn part, the part that has that melody. Yeah. Um, so the lyrics you were saying are awesome. Here's what Bruce says about it. So the song is in three parts. The first one is made of the first verses from this hymn, and I chose it because there's something visionary in these verses. They were written about a century ago, and they describe exactly what's happening nowadays. A lot of money goes around in our society, and the more money you have, the more miserable you are, in fact. The last verse, Take Away Our Pride, is the center of the whole mystical universe. The main obstacle to communication and fulfillment is selfishness and misplaced self-esteem, and these things divide the men. Yeah. So that's Fair. the first part of the song. Great point. Yeah. Yeah, no, mo that's money, awesome. Mo money, mo problems. Mo Versus money, mo problems. Way before uh, whoever, uh, whatever rapper said that, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, the guy who carried out, Puff Daddy, the guy who carried okay. out okay. for uh, Biggie Small. Okay. Mo money, mo problems. And they released that <laughs> in the follow-up to the... Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, Bruce said it first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people did. Yeah. The next part of the song is what I call the verses. They're not really, I don't know if they're really verses, but I'm, I'm going to call it the verses part. So they come out of the hymn part. They go into this verse part. And this is the part they use to like transition. Remember I was saying how the song like flows? Mm. So they come out of that part into the second part with this little like bridge. I love the bass underneath there. It's really cool. Man, I'm just waiting for the chorus so we can scream out. It's <laughs> yeah. such, oh, it builds so amazingly. Yeah. And so that transitions into like a riff that's very similar to that opening riff. You know how that opening riff had these weird pauses in it? Yes. So this riff doesn't sound like the intro riff, but they both have these pauses in it and they really feel similar. And it's a good example of like, like cohesive songwriting where they kind of tie Everything kind of ties together. Mm. The feeling of this riff feels exactly like, like it fits perfectly based on what you've heard so far. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Mm. Sounds kind of like the intro. It kind of fits with the God of Earth and Altar part. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And there's not really a chorus. I guess there is like that recurring riff that sort of works as a chorus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the trooper doesn't really have a chorus either. Just that whoa, 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 whoa part. That's right. So that's another thing about like their songwriting is very like progressive. They don't have the verse chorus bridge. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so that riff with the pauses, Steve Harris says that this song is inspired. I read an interview with him. He said this song is inspired by a band called Bebop Deluxe. And they have a song called Sister Seagull. And I think this is the song that he was talking about in this interview. He just kind of made a reference to this mm. band called Bebop Deluxe and how he kind of influenced his songwriting around this time and specifically to this song. Um, you can hear a bit of similarity. I'm going to play the song that he's talking about. You can hear a bit of similarity in it. It doesn't really sound like it, but the feeling is there. Uh, I think it's just, it has, it's a riff with a, a bunch of pauses in it. And I think this is kind of where it's more of an inspiration. Like, if I, he had never mentioned that, if Steve Harris had never mentioned that and I heard that song, I would never tie it to the song at all. Never. But but that's just, that's, uh, I think, a little different. Like, that's yeah. something that they expanded on because that's just, like, dramatic use of pauses, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. But what's really cool about this song, I find, is when they come out of the pauses, they come out with completely different timing. Yeah. Like, they come out, like, so fast then yeah. in a couple of cases. Yeah. Which is, totally like, true. yeah. I agree with what you're saying. Like, that riff doesn't really sound anything like this riff. No. But, you know, sometimes things can just inspire you. Totally. And you want to write something that feels similar. Yeah. So that's just something I read in an interview, and then I had to go look it up. Oh, fair play to them for crediting <laughs> yeah. it, I mean. Yeah, anyway, he says there's an, inf- an influence. After that instrumental part, yeah. um, they're back into the more verses. And so then I got a bunch of quotes from a bunch of different Bruce Dickinson interviews where he's talking yeah. about the lyrics to the song. So the just a babe in a black abyss, no reason for a place like this. Yeah. Just a babe in a black abyss, no reason for a place like this. The walls are cold and souls cry out in pain. An easy way for the blind to go. A clever path for the fools who know the secrets of the hangman. The smile on his lips. Um, Bruce says, the next two verses are a reference to Hindu philosophy. Just a babe in a black abyss is an allusion to Aleister Crowley. The word babe refers to the human being and black abyss refers to the desperate world. No reason for a place like this shows the nonsense of man's existence on earth if hope is no more. Wow. So, I don't know. Figure that out. <laughs> Bruce is getting very deep with these lyrics. Yeah. And it references. Clive left a bag around when he left, and <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I snorted it all. But it's really melodic, great lyrics. Yeah. Really great singing through this part. She came to me with a serpent's kiss as the eye of the sun rose on her lips. Moonlight catches silver tears. So we lay in a black 
Yeah, so I'm glad you played that clip because I highlight that. That this is probably one of my favorite lyrics in Alamein. Yeah. So she came to cool. me with a serpent's kiss as the eye of the sun rose on our lips. It's hard to say it without saying it too. Right? Yeah, I know. Like moon, like. <laughs> catches silver tears I cry so we lay in a black embrace and the seed is sown in a holy place and I watched and I waited for the dawn that's like why I <laughs> I find that hard to think Bruce wrote that no offense like I, I love Bruce to pieces but as soon as I read that I was like oh god that that's just he like also wrote, this is the same guy that wrote hooks in you <laughs> yeah well not not to knock him but I mean it's I when I read that I'm like Oh, there's a bit of Adrian, but a lot of like Harris in that. That's that's the way I feel. Yeah, but they're Bruce like, lyrics. They're Actually, Bruce I have lyrics. quotes. Where here. did this come from? I have quotes here about all these lyrics. Mm. So here's another one: "The Secret of the Hang- Hanged Man." Yeah, you know that part where he says the smile yeah. on his face. He says, "In popular Hindu imagery, the hanged man signifies good luck. This is why the hanged man has a smile on his lips and is basically the secret of the hanged man." So that's what he's talking about. Um, wow. And then the light of the blind, you'll see the venom that tears my spine. The light of the blind, you'll see the venom tears my spine. The eyes of the Nile are opening, you'll see. Yeah. I got another quote from Bruce, and he says, In yoga, there's a snake called Kundalini, which is supposed to live at the bottom of the spine of each individual. During orgasm or intense meditation, the kundalini is freed and goes up the spine all the way to the brain where it releases its venom. The mixing of the venom with the brain substance create a union with God. The eyes of the Nile are opening, you'll see. Uh, A whole world of possibilities is opening as soon as the venom is released inside you. Wow. So Bruce is going very, very deep on these lyrics. Yeah, he is. Like, this is probably the deepest thing he's ever written. They get that riff again. And this is like where they use that riff to transition between parts of the song. So that riff they use to like transition Mm. between parts. And the song just flows so well. And I just love they're doing that. And then Bruce just yells, go. Yeah. And then the song just like, you know takes off yeah guitar solo I was like, waiting for it to kick in there yeah I, I took it out yeah. before the guitar solo like melts your face off yeah it's just an insanely good guitar solo Dave Murray starts it Adrian finishes it yeah. and you can hear when Adrian comes in with this really fast like trill on his guitar and his guitar mm. tone is very different um, it sounds like he is playing with a wah pedal but he just kind of like found a sweet spot on his wah pedal and left it there I don't know if that's actually what's happening or if it's another effect yeah but it's like the solo is amazing, and I just love the, Adrian's guitar tone in this. The song is so great. It's such a great song. Everything about it is great. Yeah. This might be my top six now. Yeah. 
It's, it's in oh, my it's top so ten good. songs for sure. Oh, it's there, thereabouts, yeah. It's but hard to do a, a top ten. This is only track two on this, on this album, and we're already like hitting songs like this. I know. This and the next perfect. one is my favorite song <laughs> of all. But you know what I mean by Adrian's uh, guitar tone? I don't know if it's like some kind of fuzz effect or something, but yeah. I have no idea what he's playing through. Yeah. His guitar sounds so cool when it comes in. I just love the sound of it. Yeah. It's um, awesome. To wrap the song up, they use that like transition riff again. Mm. Um, then they come back around to that hymn section again. And Bruce, this time, kind of has his own words written for it. You know, the bind up. Uh, bind, uh, oh, this is the part live. Yeah. I love singing this part live. It comes out of the solos. And you're in the stands watching Maiden on stage. And you're just like, bind all of us together, a blade of yeah. hope and free. No storm yeah. or heavy weather will rock the boat you'll see. Yeah. I love, like, sc- every time yeah. we've seen them that they played that, I just remember screaming that. I love those lyrics live. Yeah. So there's so much melody in the song. Yeah. There's so much to like. Yeah. It's oh, a total epic. It's excellent. Yeah. And like you said, when he comes out and he does that after the solos and the kind of he's and then, you know, he carries on for a little bit and then it's like, it is you. And when it ends, oh, yeah. like the, the, the yeah, tune so at great. the end. Yeah. It's like so good, man. Live, the song is so amazing with the oh, lights man. and everything and the stained glass and everything. Yeah. That's so cool. But yeah, this is just an amazing song. Yeah. If you had another song with the same song structure... With broken up into parts like this, it could be a complete mess. It could easily. But because they all flow together and fit together so well. Yeah. Like they all have the same kind of theme and feel. Yeah. And it's just like this epic song. The, and like you said, it doesn't seem like the length that it is. It doesn't. The lyrics are amazing. Like it's poetry, you know? Yeah, and even if you're ripped off the hymn or whatever, I, yeah. you know, I don't really care and if he's referencing the here, there, the other, or, you know, whatever Buddhist or whatever yeah. reference he's got. It's yeah. just, it's awesome. The whole way through. Even at the end where it gets a little bit cheesier. Yeah. But, but the lyrics so are awesome. Yeah. The vocals are awesome. The bass playing is awesome. Mm. The intro, the solos. It's just a totally unique song. There's no other it Maiden is. song that sounds like this. No other song, really, that sounds... You know what I mean? No. I, so yeah, cool. I do, yeah. It's, well, it's just... Yeah. It's, it's Revelations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've reviewed Revelations. Nesbitt <laughs> and Josh give it two thumbs up. <laughs> so when, the, when you see this live, yeah. do you agree that this is like really, really heavier live? Yeah. It's so heavy live, like do no no Yeah. And all the crowd screaming. Yeah, and he's adding a lot too in the vocals live, right? Like and he's, live. He's going into it. Two. Yeah. Dave does the first like, half hey, of the solo you know? live. Yeah. Um, Adrian and Yannick now, they take turns. Yeah. Doing like one night, Adrian will do a solo. The next night, Yannick will take the second half of the solo. They oh, kind of really? switch it up. Um, so in August 9th, when we saw them in Toronto yeah. last, Adrian did it. And the next day, August 10th, Yannick did it. Yeah. So we got to see back-to-back nights. So we get to see the two different people playing the second part of the guitar solo. In yeah. Um, Flight 666, the version on that is awesome, on that DVD. Live After yeah. Death version is super strong. Um, I've got a, a live clip of it. This is from Ulevi, Sweden in 2005. How you doing out there tonight, Sophie? 
so awesome. Nice. I actually want to just go see Maiden again now. Yeah. On these new legs of the third the leg. The new legs of the third <laughs> leg of the fourth leg. Of the... Yeah, that's awesome, man. Oh, what a great track. We had a few people email us and said, which Maiden shows are you going to? And I was like, me and Josh already saw the Legacy of the Beast tour five times. Yeah. I think I'm... I'm... Five times, <laughs> yeah. I'm not ruling out a sixth, but... Not uh, ruling it out. I'm just... Uh, I think I'll wait for the album next album tour. Yeah, I know. Unless one came close by. Yeah, we're filling our lap somehow. Yeah. It'd be a, a tough sell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, anyway. it's, it's a long ways to go and stuff, too. There's yeah. other stuff to see. We've got other That's bands true. to see and stuff. Yeah. I just mean if we happen to be somewhere. Yeah. They, I don't know. This song, right now, talking about it today, mm. is a top three Maiden song for me. Top but three? Only because we're talking about it now. We're talking about it right now. Exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> My like... top 10 Maiden songs is constantly yeah. rotating. And there's a bunch of yeah. songs that are in there all the time. Yeah. But there's some that come up and then they fall down. This one right well, now just it, bubbled up to like top three for me. That's life. Like, you know, the best meal is the one you haven't had in three weeks. The yeah, worst, that's true. The worst consultant you ever had is the one you had yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's the way it is. Oh, I went back and listened to The Book of Souls all the way through from beginning to end. Yeah. For the first time in like probably a year. Yeah. Uh, not very long ago. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about all these songs, how awesome they are. That's an amazing album. It's such a great album. Is there a digipack coming out of that one, too? It is, but it's not remastered. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's the same. Yeah. So it'll be the same. Yeah. It was in the last pack that just came out. Yeah. That pack of four, the last one of those Book of Souls. And there's another yeah. one coming out, too. So it is, but it is different than the Jewel case they released. It's Yeah, it's yeah. it's in this format, the, yeah. the digipack. But it's not. these ones are all remastered. That one's not remastered. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the exact same pressing, but... Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, oh, we got it finally remastered. I know, finally. <laughs> the book of souls, finally. They, finally. Finally, they reissued they fixed it, remastered it. it. Yeah. But, uh, man, now, this album this album's is so blowing good. me away. It's so good. So that's another uh, episode where we only got through one song. Yeah, but we'll go a bit quicker. Once we'll go a bit quicker, because we kind of got into the drumming thing. Mm. Last time we got into the recording and the writing and all that stuff. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we'll get in. We'll go straight in the tracks next time. Yeah. But we haven't talked about cover art yet. We, we do got some cover. We haven't art. talked about the tour yet. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. I hope people uh, like listening yeah. to us stretch these <laughs> album episodes out. Spoiler but, uh, alert! <laughs> I might, I might make an argument. The Flood of Icarus is the most perfect song of all time. Oh, it's just so I'm great. Forward to that. Yeah, it's it is really great. So amazing. Yeah, I just love it. It is a great song. I love it so much. I have a bunch of uh, yeah. facts about that too. Oh, cool. <laughs> Who is this Icarus fella? <laughs> it's actually a guy. I'll be like, no, shut up, Nesbeth. Don't ruin it for me. It's the guy from the video game. <laughs> the oh, Nintendo yeah. video game. Video that's game. who he is. I just leave it there. I'm wearing my shirt, and that's it. And then we're moving right on to, to a guy who got killed with his boots on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Died, that guy. Yeah, I already died. But he had his boots on, so it was okay. <laughs> so that's uh, part two of Peace of Mind. Yeah. This is going to be at least a four-parter, maybe a five-parter. Yeah. Takes what it takes. Yeah. We're not going to rush through it, though. I'm, like, savoring these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> before we run out of albums to talk about. Yeah. We'll have to go back and start revisiting albums. Oh, God, those. I don't know. <laughs> right on. That beer weird. was amazing. It is so weird good. when you think that we got through Somewhere in Time in two episodes. We did. We did. That's crazy. I can't listen we, to it I feel it like now. we rushed through it. But we I, we might have rushed kind of still it. figuring out what we were doing back then. We were. We were learning. I think we did a good job on it, though. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. We I covered it somewhere in time. You know, yeah, this beer is great. This beer is excellent. Yeah. This is one of my blood orange Hefeweizen faves. You know, yeah, Hefeweizen, a wheat beer, yeah, unpasteurized and unfiltered. 
you know? Unfiltered like Josh's <laughs> commentary. Yeah. I know, I like my commentary. <laughs> so talkingmaiden.com. Yeah, talkingmaiden.com uh, We always slash give beers. a slash beers for the beer list slash talk to leave us a message, which we'll might play on the mm. podcast. You know what? We should add a menu to the website. <laughs> <laughs> There's a menu at the I top. know. Like, slash, you're like, oh. you're like it, slash about, oh, yeah, that's slash, slash talk, slash yeah. beer, slash stats, uh, slash uh, list. Slash, you wanna, slash 99 wait, for the 99. You're like your mom. You're like slash uh, question mark equals <laughs> yeah, to get to the bottom of the page yeah, as uh, a parameter. Anyway, talkingmaiden.com. Yeah, all the mm. links are at the top. The stats to our poll. Yes. That we did our mm. beer list. Yes. Uh, and yeah. for the next episode. There's a contact form on there, too, if you want to email us. Ooh. Also, oh, we always S- Slash say, contact. It uh, might be. I don't know. I also always forget to say talkingmaiden at gmail.com if you want That's to email right. us. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you have something to say about Nico and Clive or Peace of Mind or Revelations or Where Eagles Dare. Anything, man, yeah. you know. <laughs> anything. Yeah. yeah. And next time, listen with your boots on. Yeah. Right on. Until next time, up the irons and down the hops.